Welcome to How to Thrive, the podcast for women who want to regain their energy, feel empowered in their own body, and have the confidence that they need to thrive in this modern world. With conversations around gut health, nutrition, and well-being for women, this is your go-to podcast to not just educate, but inspire you to become the best version of yourself. I am your host, Nikki Hursthaus. I'm a mom, business owner, dietitian, and yoga teacher. I believe all women can build their solid foundation for good health, starting from the inside out. And to do this, we must consider the whole person and connect the body and mind. So let's dive into this week's episode. This week, I want to circle back to the gut. I know that there are a lot of you who may think, why should I even care about my gut health if I don't have gut problems? Or why should I care if I don't have IBS? But the thing is, the gut is one of the most powerful tools you have to manage your health. Think more energy, less stress, better sleep, all of it. So there are four key areas that I'll cover today in this episode which will help you get that extra edge in life by looking after and nourishing your gut. So every woman who has gut problems or IBS will have read all the different ways you could change what you're eating to improve your gut health. But maybe that's not you, like I said before. Maybe you want more energy. Maybe you want clearer skin. Maybe you want to lose weight. All of these are claims that are made across the internet that if you improve your gut health, these will be fixed. So they have elimination diets and cleansers and supplement powders and pills. There are so many different solutions out there that are claiming to heal your gut. And it's no wonder that we all get quite lost and confused about what is actually right for us. But what a lot of these solutions are missing is one, finding the root cause of the problem first, which is a whole nother area and requires very personalized advice. But when you're busy and you just want to feel your best, you can't be wasting time on quick fixes or sometimes I like to call them band-aid fixes. Uh, So where do you begin? So when we think about the gut, we have to remember it's so complex. It's involved in so much more than digesting our food. And it's constantly communicating with our brain. So it's keeping our mind and body in check. It's producing hormones involved in regulation of mood and hunger and for reproduction. So it's no wonder that if we look after it, it's going to help us feel better, have more energy, and in a way also help with any hormonal issues. It's also a home to an entire world of bacteria. So these bacteria are microorganisms that are working tirelessly to keep us healthy. But when we forget about them or we don't think our gut health is important, then they aren't necessarily going to be helping us. So we need to keep those gut bugs healthy. And how we do that all begins on looking after these bugs and what they need inside us. So when we get caught up in all the different uh, solutions, the quick fix options, the diets, the cleansers, the pills and the powders. When we get caught up in all of these quick fixes, particularly for our gut, we forget that uh, it is about the absolute foundations day to day that we set 
that will keep that gut healthy day to day and in the long term. It's not about doing a cleanse for, you know, 30 days or even a week. It's not about cutting something out for, you know, summertime. It's not about these short things that you might be doing and think, oh, that's going to fix my gut. It's about what we do day to day and the foundations of how we're setting up the health of our gut, which would then mean both your body and your brain can function better. So there's four key elements that I'm going to talk through, which are laying that foundation. So go figure, the first one is food. Uh, So what we do eat plays that huge role in keeping the gut healthy. And yes, for some, there might be foods that your gut's more sensitive to. And that is all depending on what is happening in life for you, what's happening within your gut. But the key thing to remember, no matter what, is that those gut bugs love fiber. So we can do this in a way, even if you do have a sensitive gut. So when we're talking about fiber, I'm meaning the fiber we get from fruits and veggies and legumes and nuts and seeds and grains. But we also want to consider the diversity of what we're eating. So Thinking about your dinner plate, so do you always have the same veg? Do you always uh, sort of have like carrots and broccoli and, I don't know, peas maybe? (laughs) Um, uh, And it's the same thing every night. But the thing is we want to bring in diversity. So uh, there's a concept of aiming for 30 different plant foods a week. And this might seem quite overwhelming at the start, but if we break it down, we can easily add up to 30 across the week. So just for example, thinking about if you had some sort of muesli for breakfast, this might have oats, nuts, seeds, coconut, and maybe sometimes some dried fruit. So depending on how many varieties of nuts or seeds is in that uh, muesli, you might already have maybe six different plant foods coming in there. Uh, another example is thinking about dinner. I'm going to use spaghetti bolognese as an example. I had that for dinner last night. Uh, and yes, it is red meat-based dish, but there are ways to make it more diverse with plant foods. So for example, my recipe for bolognese on the recipe hub that I made last night has garlic, thyme, rosemary, oregano, lentils, tomatoes, and also the pasta all of which are plant foods. So that's seven in one meal. But then if you want to add more, we can bulk it out. So we can add grated carrot or zucchini if that's in season. And that allows a pasta dish that that some of you may think of as being, quote, less healthy, uh, to be quite a diverse meal of plant foods. So when we consider that diversity, we also want to think about uh, nourishing our gut bugs from other foods that contain probiotics like yogurt or fermented foods and also prebiotics which are um, what we can get from foods like garlic, banana, oats and the gold as well being resistant starch. So this is uh, a form of fiber that we get when we have foods like pasta and rice that are cooked and then cooled and then they develop more resistant starch. So how you eat then also plays a role. So 
We're we thinking about the timing of meals, the patterns of meals, and the amount of food you're having at each meal. And ultimately, that means the amount of fiber you're having in one go. All of that will also influence the health of your gut. All of these things are very individual. And as I said before, if you have a sensitive gut, it's something that you need to take quite a personalized approach with rather than a generic plan because your gut will respond differently compared to the next person. But no matter what, whether or not you have known gut issues, I always suggest taking a very gradual approach to introducing more plant foods because every time we make big changes, particularly with adding more fiber, the gut is going to take a little bit of time to adapt to that. I liken it to exercise and your muscle adaptation. So say, for example, you don't run at all. You're not going to go out and just run a half marathon, right? You've got to build up to that. And so when we think about the fiber and the amount of fiber, yes, we talked about 30 different plant foods, but what about the amount of fiber in total? So we want to think, okay, let's aim for around 30 grams of fiber a day, which we don't need to go into the details of what that looks like. But if we want to think, okay, how are we having that across the day? Are we spreading it across all the meals? Rather than not eating, not eating, and then having trying to get 30 grams of fiber in in one meal, your gut is going to react in a huge way to that with bloating and cramping and just feel a little bit uncomfortable while you are trying to adapt to having more plant foods and more fiber. I also suggest a very gradual approach when introducing fermented foods as well because you're, it's another type of uh, food that your gut is not used to. and aiming for slow and consistent introduction of these foods is the best way to manage uh, changing uh, what you're eating and increasing the diversity and the amount of fiber for the health of your gut without getting extra issues on top of that. So next I want to talk about stress. Honestly, I could talk for days about stress and the gut. It's fascinating and it's also so often dismissed. When women with gut problems are told to manage their stress, it often causes them to just glaze over. Why? Well, usually they're highly functioning individuals. They're very busy already and the mere thought of stress being the cause uh, makes it all seem a lot harder to manage. And it's something that I think it's really important that we understand better uh, and it's definitely something I'll spend a few episodes talking about on this topic. But I guess today I just want to think about um, one part of how stress is affecting the gut and how if we can uh, manage that stress load, then we're going to help us get that extra edge. So when you're stressed, anxious or depressed, your brain sends signals to your gut that can disrupt its normal functioning. So when then when we are stressed, that activation of the sympathetic nervous system causes a lot of changes throughout the body. I mentioned before uh, in earlier episodes around stress in the nervous system and that when we go into this state of fight or flight with the sympathetic nervous system dominant, then uh, we see changes with heart rate and breathing, but also with our digestion. So our digestion begins in the mouth when we're chewing food and the saliva helps break down 
the food and that's the start of the digestive process. But when we're in a stressed state, the sympathetic nervous system stops saliva being produced. So it stops that digestive activity starting and it also then starts to contract the bowel because that is then there's decreased blood flow to the digestive system. It slows down all of the digestive processes. And then we can feel constipated. We can get some bloating. And then we can also get other symptoms that are quite common like cramping or pain because of more muscle tension in the digestive system as well. The last thing around pain is that it's not necessarily just from that muscle tension. It can also increase our sensitivity to pain, uh, which can make any existing gut symptoms feel worse. So the stress can also affect the balance of the bacteria in the gut. So we talked so much already about how do we keep these gut bugs healthy? How do we feed them the foods they want, the fiber? But then if we're stressed and we're under chronic stress and the body is producing more cortisol, the stress hormone, then this can alter the composition of those gut bugs. And then this can lead to overgrowth of particular bacteria and also decrease beneficial bacteria, which is what we want and therefore that can compromise the gut health. But we know that stress is inevitable, right? I don't usually talk about like getting rid of all stress and living this sort of stress-free life because life happens and stress is going to be present at different times and at different levels. But the key is finding the balance to getting enough recovery. So we want to balance that stress load. The last episode, I talked a lot about stress load. And I think if you haven't tuned into that one, then that is one where you want to dive in deeper. So it's also about incorporating other stress management techniques that resonate with you, such as meditation or yoga, light walking. But mostly it's about controlling the breath to calm the mind. And the next layer is that recovery. So how do we get enough recovery to balance that stress load? And the biggest source of recovery we're going to get every single day is from sleep. So sleep is the third uh, element that I want to talk about. Sleep, sleep, sleep. <laughs> I can't think of a single woman I've worked with where we didn't jump right in and talk about sleep straight away. And this is because I so often see sleep as that one part of the cycle where if we can just tweak that a bit, it will have a ripple effect to everything else. Sleep is where you get the bulk of your recovery to offset any stress load from the day. And I'm sure you can all relate to feeling tired, maybe a bit grouchy when you don't get enough sleep, but it can also make it very hard to concentrate, therefore increasing uh, anxiety potentially as well. Uh, and then it can also then worsen the gut symptoms. And the key to sleep is also that restorative sleep. So are you getting enough restorative sleep to balance that stress load? So restorative sleep is that sleep where you are truly switching off. Your body is in that complete rest and digest state and you're able to recharge your battery. So the best way of knowing that is by being able to track heart rate variability. This will then allow you to see is your body switching off and what happens to your gut when you don't get restorative sleep. So things we can often see is that your 
whole body is not necessarily relaxed, so you're still in this stress state. So that's circling back to the effect of stress on the gut. So it was all connected. So these two with the sleep and the stress, they go hand in hand with looking after our gut health. And then the fourth and final uh, element for today that I want to talk about is exercise to get our gut to thrive. So moving your body daily is so important, both for your physical and mental health. And this definitely includes the health of your gut. So exercise has the potential to change the composition of your gut bugs. So this is uh, something that we've seen. It can encourage growth of bacteria that can really benefit the gut. It also promotes the production of short-chain fatty acids in the gut. And these are really important for your immune system and they help your gut to function well. So moving your body can also help if you're feeling bloated or constipated. So this is when if we feel like our gut is not giving us that extra edge, it's feeling quite sluggish, then we want to be able to bring in things that help uh, reduce those symptoms. And moving your body is a big part of that, is the muscles in the digestive system will also then be stimulated through moving your body, and this helps get things moving. It's really important to consider the very fine balance here, though, because exercise that's too intense and without enough recovery is going to put more stress on the body that will then trigger those negative effects on both the gut bugs and your immune system. So this is where we have to have this complete, I I guess it's the triangle of sleep, stress, and exercise. We want to have all of these three working in sync because if one of them is a little bit out, it's then going to cause the rest of them to be out And then that will then result in having more negative effects on your gut health. So there are definitely other elements that affect your gut. uh, And in particular, how we can like optimize our gut for giving us that extra edge so we can have more energy, feel less stress and generally just feel that we can thrive day to day. And those can include things like our cycle. So if you're in a fifth stage where you are having a menstrual cycle, but also how things like pregnancy, postpartum can affect the gut. And and then finally, perimenopause and postmenopause and how that changes the gut as well. So those life stages are all very uh, important factors to consider when we're looking at what it is your gut needs to be able to keep it working at its best and then a couple of other things as well so like alcohol medication use uh, can also influence the health of the gut but the key takeaway I guess I want you to have from today is that changing your diet alone is never going to be the complete solution for your gut so when you see things like uh, gut powders and pills and doing a cleanse and all of these things it's that's only just taking one part It's like one piece of the puzzle and we need to bring everything together and work it in a way that works for you as an individual, taking into consideration your day-to-day life, your lifestyle, everything, uh, and taking that full mind-body approach to give you the tools to improve your gut health, 
manage your symptoms, but also make sure that your gut is functioning at its best so your mind and your body can also function at its best. Remember that if you do have IBS or another functional gut disorder, there's no actual cure, right? There's no cure for these conditions, but it's a way of life to manage those conditions. If you want to dive deeper into each of these areas discussed today, you can also download the Ultimate Women's Gut Health Guide, which includes quick steps and practical steps you can put in place to help align your food and your lifestyle for a happy gut. And this goes both ways, right? We want to align our food and our lifestyle for a healthier gut. And then a healthier gut will allow our body and mind to function better. So it can take a lot to bring all of this together as well on your own. It might think, oh, where do I even begin? There is a a checklist in the guide, which is a great place to start. If you go through the checklist, it will just give you a little bit of an idea of, okay, okay, what are the things I need to focus on? Where do I begin? And one thing I emphasize a lot in this podcast is we kind of be expected to navigate the world of health alone. And sometimes we do need support to be able to make change because to be able to make change, we need to be consistent with those habits and behaviors that we are trying to change, but we need accountability to be able to do that. So this is your invitation that if you do need extra support, I welcome you to book a free call so that we can dive in and see what challenges you are having and I can then help you nourish your body and mind so you can thrive. So thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of How to Thrive. I hope there are a few snippets that you might take away with you to start putting in place today to help give yourself that extra edge by focusing on your gut health. And remember that just because you don't have uh, gut problems or a gut condition doesn't mean that you can't put the focus of your gut health to the front of your mind because it is one of the most important tools, but also an amazingly simple tool when we get it all to click that we can use to help give us more energy, manage our stress and generally feel like we have a bit of an extra edge to be able to thrive. If you enjoyed the episode, let me know. I'd love to hear any aha moments, any comments. Send me a message on Instagram or leave a comment. If you do love the podcast and the episode so far, please do consider leaving a review so more women can discover the podcast. I can't wait to bring you the next episode, so stay tuned and I'll see you next week.